it really does um, benefit you to get very refined in your strategy and figure out what your niche is, what you do best, and really trying to be able to standardize all of your operations and around that specific niche so that you can become really, really good at one single thing. So you're really just trying to dig as deep of a moat as possible within that one specialty so that you can really hit on and be able to target that entire market. What's up, everyone? I'm Chris Ronzio, founder and CEO of Trainual, and this is Organized Chaos. You just heard from Chris Gwynn, and this episode is all about the difference between checklists, project management, and playbook platforms like Trainual. We get into conversations around how to become a best places to work, like we did for Inc. Magazine, and a program that Chris and I have both been involved with, EOA, or the EO Accelerator Program. Chris is a member of our Process People community, and a Trainual certified consultant, as well as the founder of Great Lakes Advisory. So he's a process fanatic, just like me, an amazing company, and you're going to learn a lot. Let's get into it. Welcome to Organized Chaos. I'm your host, Chris Ronzio. And as you heard in the intro today, we're talking with Chris Gwynn. Chris, welcome. Thanks for having me, Chris. Thank you for being here. All right. So I know you suggested some topics that we're going to talk about today. And today, for everyone listening, we'll just be a little bit more like a discussion. Chris is one of our amazing certified consultants and brought some topics to the table that he and I are just going to kick around. So let's get into it. Uh, Chris, I know we're going to get into paper checklists and platforms and being a, a best place to work, uh, EO accelerator program, probably among other things. But let's see where the conversation goes. Where do you want to start? Mm, I actually, uh, it's kind of top of mind. Uh, I actually went to uh, an EOA dinner earlier this week. I uh, noticed that actually one of the other consultants joined EOA. So why don't we uh, maybe start there? Okay, cool. So for anyone listening, uh, EOA or the Entrepreneur uh, Organization Accelerator Program, that's a tongue twister, uh, is, a, is a business group, an amazing business group for growing businesses, fast growing businesses that have hit a certain size, but they haven't yet qualified for the EO program. And EO's qualification is a million in revenue uh, or in some other markets around the world, it, it could be a, a million uh, euros or a local currency. Um, so I was in the EOA program years ago, and you're in it now. Is that correct? Correct. Yep. Awesome. How how long uh, have you been in it? So we joined back in, uh, well, I guess I joined back in June of 2021, and it's been an awesome experience so far. Uh, so for all the listeners out there that are maybe a little bit unfamiliar with how the EOA program works, uh, you are assigned an accountability coach, which is really, really cool. You meet on a monthly basis with some other um, like-minded entrepreneurs likely wouldn't be in the same exact industry. Um, but the whole purpose of the EOA is to be able to share experiences and actually create accountability. Um, so those those monthly accountability meetings uh, with our coach have been uh, really pivotal in a lot of my own personal and professional uh, growth. Uh, but on top of that, they've got uh, four learning days uh, that have been really, really cool too, uh, that focus on people, strategy, cash, and execution, right? Yeah. Uh, I think I remember that correctly. Uh, yeah. And then there's also, uh, there's obviously a ton of other uh, really, really cool events um, through EO uh, that you get access to. So it's been an awesome experience so far. 
So the, the next few minutes are probably just going to be a huge pitch for EO and the EOA. But, but if anyone's really interested in digging into this, um, I, I was on uh, the Scaling Up podcast with Bill Gallagher. Bill has been involved with EO for a long time. We did a whole episode about the uh, EO Accelerator program. And so if you really want to like dig deep and hear more about the program, you can go and check out that podcast episode. Um, but let's just talk about like your, your experience so far and, you know, just maybe masterminds in general. Or I, I can share when I got into the program, what it's like. I'm sure it's maybe a little different now. Yeah. So um, I think for me, what's been really, so I guess just taking a step back, uh, I'm a solo entrepreneur. I don't have a business partner. I'm usually bouncing ideas off of me, myself, and I, and trying to just pull from kind of experiences from other, and I'm kind of, I read a ton of information. I always listen to Chris's podcast and all the other trainable content uh, that's put out, but it's helpful to be able to kind of meet with like-minded entrepreneurs that can share these experiences um, and kind of really kind of help you feel a little bit more uh, assured that you're not in this kind of alone. And so for me, what's been really helpful is just kind of talking through some of the issues that we currently have um, that we're kind of working through that are kind of preventing us from accomplishing our larger goals and trying to see kind of how their experience might be able to apply to potentially our issues. And so uh, that's been really pivotal uh, for us. Yeah. So I think there's a couple huge lessons there. You know, the, the big thing for me when I joined that program is I'd gone to, you know, business networking groups before, and this is entirely different. It's not a networking group because you think of networking as trying to sell each other, really, yep. you know, and, and the, the, there is a strict non-solicitation kind of thing in this group. And you mentioned when you're put into these, these group masterminds, forums, whatever they call them, um, you're not with any competitors. And a big reason for that is there is a strict confidentiality requirement too. And so this is a group that you can really open up and be totally vulnerable with about, you know, decisions you're trying to make, flaws you feel like you have, shortcomings in the business, things that you're like, I don't know what I'm doing. I didn't pay the taxes right. Is that illegal? <laughs> like, you know, you're, you're like, yeah. I don't, I, and, and it is so important when you're running a business to have a person, a mentor, a group that you can lean on with that kind of stuff because it can be lonely trying to make those decisions by yourself. So I, I hugely valuable tip for anyone listening. Yeah. Um, I know one of their kind of core pillars is that you need to get naked fast. And I think as a lot of entrepreneurs, if you're kind of maybe in a social setting, you might maybe embellish a little bit. Yeah, sales are great. Everything else in the business is great. But when it really comes down to it, usually there are some underlying issues and uh, maybe there's something that's in your way. And uh, but to be able to be a little bit more vulnerable and have someone else kind of share their experience that might actually help you to be able to solve your own issues. And usually most of these entrepreneurs, they're maybe just a couple of steps ahead of you and they've likely gone through similar issues, similar tribulations. And it's been really, really helpful. It's clearly a lot of information and lessons that aren't just taught in your basic education, college, right. uh, there might be some of this type of uh, learning experiences during uh, an MBA, but I found that this has been um, an awesome experience so far. 
Yeah, I agree. It's it's unlike anything else because, you know, people, friends, or even other business acquaintances on the outside, a lot of times they only see the highlights because a lot of people will just post like great news and stuff like that on, on LinkedIn or wherever else. And so from an outside perspective, you may bump into someone and say, man, it seems like you're crushing it and everything's going well, but you don't know that we're like, we're getting evicted or, you know, like the biggest customer just canceled or somebody just quit the business. And like these things that happen internally that just cause tons of personal stress and turmoil, it, it's really helpful to have other people to lean on and say, like, have you ever experienced something like this and, and learn from what they've done? So um, so I agree. It's 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 an amazing kind of thing. And it's it's a cool journey, too. I remember um, when I first found out about that program in 2008, 2009, my college professor was a chapter president for EO in the Boston area. And so he told me about this program and Accelerator was really new at the time. And he said, you should apply for this. And, and I didn't yet qualify. And so for me, it was a goal to get into EO Accelerator, which I think the threshold is what, 250,000 in sales? Yes, correct. And so that was a big goal for me to get to that point. And then after that, it's just like, you can see now, all right, now I see the next goal. Yeah. No, it's um, obviously with, not obviously, but with the EO Accelerator program, you're kind of below, you're slightly above uh, 250. And the goal is really to kind of lean on everyone else's experiences to hopefully be able to get above the million dollar threshold. And then at the million dollar threshold, you would apply or you would be eligible to be able to join uh, EO and which Chris, you're in EO. So maybe you can, I, I'm not in EO yet. So maybe you can even kind of talk about that too, of what they might be able to experience after um, graduating from EOA. Yeah. So I'll, I'll say it's very different. You know, f first of all, the, one of the facilitators we had in my accelerator program, he made it crystal clear that the goal of accelerators, not necessarily to get you above a million, but it's to show you what it takes to be above a million and let you make the choice. And I thought that that was a powerful statement because not everybody wants to have a business that has, you know, 10, 15, 20 employees that is, you know, doing what, you know, operating at that level of a multi-million dollar kind of company. A lot of people just want to have their lifestyle business that pays them really well personally. And they make 500K a year in profit and they spend all the time with their kids. And, and it is totally okay to go in either direction. So I, 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 that was a lesson I learned in Accelerator. The, the, for me, the journey of trying to get to a million, I feel like I went about it all wrong at the beginning. Like I was trying to cobble together any sales, any dollars I could get because in my head, a million was the finish line. You know, I was like, if I can get X number of clients to pay me this dollar per, per customer, you know, I'll take 5k here and 10k here and 15 and 1k here and 2k $500 for this random thing here and I was just like in a constant cobbling mode trying to trying to get to that million and one of the mentors that I had said you know million's not the finish line that's just like it's like a milestone you need to have a business that doesn't just grow at all costs to a million dollars and then implode you need to have one that can grow way past a million dollars that's how you get to a million is by unlocking what's going to take you to three, five, 10 million. And it was so insightful for me. So when I finally got into EO, it, it's a lot different. It's more like forum specific where you're leaning on the experiences of others and 
It's less educational. I actually think that EOA's curriculum around the fundamentals of a business is something that every EO person should be forced to go through because I feel like now growing through EO and I, I'm in another group YPO now, I feel like I've just been applying so much of the stuff I learned in EOA or Accelerator that are the fundamentals that a lot of EO members skip over because they don't apply to the the organization until they're over a million. So I I recommend this for anyone to go through those kind of fundamentals. EO members are actually allowed to attend the EOA learning days that you mentioned. Just so few of them do. So anyway, that was my experience. It's probably longer winded than than what you were looking for. <laughs> yeah, no. Um, and I think you actually brought up a really good point. Uh, it, it sounds like maybe, I don't know if you pulled this from one of like the strategies days, but that was one of my bigger uh, kind of takeaways is that when I first started the business, I really kind of started to, I mean, I've got a sort of a diversified background. I started uh, in investments. I then kind of worked my way through kind of my dad's operations. And when I first launched the business, I started to do way too much. I was trying to be like the master of everything, which uh, like ultimately you become sort of the master of none. And so trying to basically just try to collect sales in every single way. And you could probably almost relate it to, um, maybe even like a roofer who could do like all of these other probably HVAC and other types of um, type of services, but it really does um, benefit you to get very refined in your strategy and figure out what your niche is, what you do best, and really trying to be able to standardize all of your operations and around that specific niche so that you can become really, really good at one single thing. So you're really just trying to dig as deep of a moat as possible within that one specialty so that you can really hit on and be able to target that entire market. And so that's something that I really yeah. learned throughout this entire EOA experience and from one of the actual, um, I believe it was the strategy day that I kind of mm. um, became a little bit more refined with that and trying to eliminate some of the services or solutions that didn't make elimination. Yeah. Yes. Addition through subtraction. Exactly. That's, that's, that's it. I, I probably don't talk about this enough. One of my favorite books I ever read was this book called Focus, The Future of Your Business Depends on It by Al Reese or Al Rice or something, something like that. And so great book for anyone that's listening. They tell all these stories about how you can overload people with choice. You know, that, that when you walk through the, the um, supermarket aisles and there's like a hundred flavors of Cheerios or something, it actually makes you sell less of each of the Cheerios. And you can apply these simple marketing kind of lessons to any services business in particular, I think, because we're all tempted to just serve people. You know, we all we all want to customize and do things a little differently so that we can serve the widest number of people possible rather than like you suggested, making that moat, making that focus, the niche and saying, this is what I do really well. I'm going to do this thing deeply and just get tons of these customers. So, um, yeah, it, I, I think that is a it's a huge thing to unlock to grow through and, and pass that million dollar mark. Cool. Anything else on uh, on EOA before we move on? Uh, I guess the only last thing that I would mention is that uh, I think I haven't really had any type of um, personal issues that I've kind of learned because of it, but it actually can help a lot of entrepreneurs to be able to cope with some other things that go on in as and more your personal life as 
it comes to kind of managing a business. And just kind of as an example, maybe you're potentially breaking up with your business partner, or maybe you're going through a divorce. And being able to lean on those experiences of others, um, I think can become very valuable. And um, they don't exactly teach that. And uh, there's not a training course of how to break up with your uh, spouse while managing a business or how to break up and have like a clean uh, a clean break with a business partner. And certainly whenever you're mixing in maybe equity and ownership percentages, it can get a little bit hairy. So being right. able to lean on those experiences, um, while I haven't gone through that, I know that those do happen. And I know a lot of other entrepreneurs within EOA and EO that really benefits um, from leaning on others' experiences on that. Totally. Like how to fire your brother-in-law or, you know, <laughs> or even just like managing a personal household budget or how much should I pay myself in salary? And like, you know, there, there's, there's just so many issues that, uh, you know, it, it's, it's fun to think back on, on those experiences because I, I again, I said, I said this before, so foundational to just learning how to run a good company. So anyway, it sounds like we're both giving you know, a double thumbs up for that program. I mean, I know there's tons of others out there. So just find some program that delivers this kind of benefit, I think is, is the tip. So speaking of, uh, you know, trying to make a better place to work, uh, you, you wanted to talk a little bit about, about the whole ink thing. Is this a, a goal of yours? It is a goal of mine. So uh, we're hoping to not only... Uh, like to be able to hit the uh, the Inc. 5000 list, but I think the more important goal for me is really becoming a best place to work. Um, I think when you have uh, employees that are excited about showing up for work, um, while I always want to make sure that everyone's happy, I want to work with people that enjoy the work that we produce. Um, I think it does actually lead to an increase in productivity. It increases our overall kind of customer satisfaction because our customers are working with happy employees. They're working with um, people that actually want to work rather than people that are at a, maybe a DMV or maybe just dreading uh, kind of coming to work every single day. Um, so it is one of our larger goals um, that we're hoping to hopefully land on that list in maybe the next couple of years. It's funny it, you you mentioned uh, the the DMV. So I I think that's such a typical you know like like the cliche everyone knows that is like oh everybody's just grumpy there that or like the post office I think are the two examples. One of the companies I met when I was doing consulting was like a a uh, third party kind of DMV information website, and they had a bunch of people, awesome business, La Jolla, California. And their whole thing was culture. And I remember leaving like a meeting at their office thinking like they put the best culture possible as like a spin on the DMV thing. So now I always think of them when people mention the DMV. But yeah, I, I mean, I, I feel totally the same way. Like if people don't want to go to work and they're not happy and they they feel burnt out or not fulfilled or you know, just are constantly looking for other jobs or they feel underappreciated or undercompensated or any of those things, it's like you're stacking the deck against you for success, you know? And, and if you kind of like how we talked about just the million dollars wasn't, isn't the goal necessarily. It's like the a scalable business is the goal. It's sort of the same with like, it's not, it's not about the revenue necessarily in a business. If you have a scalable business with a team that can scale because they're happy and fulfilled and productive, then your business is going to succeed. I would say anyone on the Inc. best places to work list isn't like struggling for their next sale. 
<laughs> you know, no. you take care of your people and the rest almost takes care of itself. Yeah. And something that I guess uh, I'm really interested in hearing kind of some of the steps that you took as far as, I don't know if it just happens kind of organically or were you a little bit methodical when you came to trying to get uh, trainual on that list for you? Well, the first thing was setting it as a goal. So like, like you have, uh, you know, in, in uh, the, the pre-show like notes I was reading through, I knew it was a goal of yours. We did the same thing. We went into two years ago saying, this is a goal for the business. So it actually started, I think, three years ago. We just had vaguely on there like a number one best workplace. And we were thinking in terms of local publications. And then as the business grew and we started ranking higher on the local publication list, the ink one hit our radar. And But we had been telling the whole team, you know, our goal is to be like the number one best place to work. And so we were saying it over and over again. I feel like that was step one. But then once you say that goal, kind of becomes a filter for how you act and what you what you do, what you roll out. And so every time we wanted to do an event or we're thinking about, you know, we've got a, a meeting uh, tomorrow, this afternoon, for instance, with a, a bunch of, of the leadership team has to come to the office and, and we're catering in lunch. It's like, that's just one of those things that you do because you want to take care of people. You're thoughtful. You think about people. You're like, hey, you're going to be there during lunch. Let's make sure we have food for you. And that's a really simple, common example. But I think it's just that a thousand times over and over again. It's like, how do we care for people, be thoughtful, make sure that they have a path here to be fulfilled, give them praise. And so it's, you know, the, there's there's a ton of little things, I think, that add up to being a great best, uh, a best workplace. Yeah. And I'm I'm guessing that you probably would agree with this based off of the fact that you do offer uh, all kind of train you on new employees. I believe it's 5,000 if, they, if they're willing to maybe leave after the two weeks or uh, a week. So something that I always want to make sure that I do every single time uh, we have conversations and we have kind of regular check-ins with all of our employees is, are you happy with kind of everything that's going on? And if you're not happy, that's fine. Then let's figure out something else. I'm not going to try to force your hand that, hey, you, uh, I'm going to lock you to the desk and you need to work here. And whether you're happy or not, uh, I just need you to produce that work. I'm not in this to be able to force anyone's hand into doing anything that they don't want to do. And if it's not the right fit for you, um, I'd be happy to kind of refer you out or try to set you up or uh, maybe enroll you in a training program or maybe something even like outside of um, our company that would help you uh, get to a a place in your career that you would be more satisfied with. So we always try to have very open communication when it comes to kind of what you're doing, what you like about the role, um, what you like about everything that we're doing. And if there's any opportunities to make you a little bit happier. Yeah. It just, just the feedback loop is crucial. I, I would say a, a, a little twist on that is we, we like to try to ask forward looking questions about like, how do you, how do you hope your job is different in six months or 12 months? What do you not want to be doing anymore that you're doing today? What is the next role you think that you might have here? Where, where are some areas that you personally want to grow in the business? Because that, that, those kind of questions start to shape an understanding of someone's personal career goals. And then you start to notice when there's misalignment. Like if somebody, for instance, says like, I want to be the CEO in 12 months. Then you're kind of like in the back of your head, like, well, 
that role's not going to be open, (laughs) you know, and that's an extreme example, but, but you start to see those things of like, you know, what opportunities could open up in the business. And if someone is outgrowing your company, that's where, like you said, you can, you can step in and say, you know, like, let me help you find some other opportunity. And, and like, we're all good. It is, it was great working with you. Um, but I think it's, it's a constant, like future looking conversation to make sure that, uh, you're not just happy today, but you'll be happy for the foreseeable future. Yep. I 100% agree. And uh, I love that approach too. We also, uh, so a Great Lakes Advisor, we run on um, an operating model called EOS. It stands for Entrepreneurial Operating System. Um, and in it, it makes, it kind of, it's a framework to make sure that you're following you're really focused on kind of your 10 year vision, um, those big, hairy, audacious goals, and then sort of reverse engineering it, making sure that your kind of your three year picture is kind of in line with your 10 year goals and your one year is in line with your three year. And then you focus on all the rocks. Um, but it's during all of those uh, kind of our quarterly um, all hands on meetings that we're kind of really making sure that everyone is aligned with the bigger picture and I also just, I really try to encourage more and more feedback and allow the employees to kind of dictate or really kind of heavily influence how they want the company to be able to evolve. Why do they want this company? What would be awesome for us to be able to offer in a couple of years that would make you super excited to show up to work every single day and making that one of our goals, um, or maybe it's a a one-year or three-year goal um, for us to be able to uh, accomplish and provide. Yeah, I mean, it's that that like mission vision work is critical. I agree because th- that's that's what you're you're always it's one of those things you're trying to stay aligned with people on, but it also gives them a longer timeline. You know, rather than joining the business and saying, "Oh, I might stay for a year, I might stay for two years," if you can latch on to a four year, five year kind of target that they feel personally committed to. I think that helps retention as well because it's you're 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 all kind of moving in the same direction to hit the same goal. And then when you get to that milestone or you get close to it, you start to have conversations about what is the next BHAG or what's, you know, what what does that look like and and is this still the right company for you? Um, but it's, it, I guess to summarize this whole section, I think it's about like communication and conversation and just being thoughtful and proactive, but uh, any company can be a best place to work. You just, you figure out the basic building blocks of a good business model and then pour your profits and everything back into your people. And it's just this amazing flywheel that keeps going. Um, cool. All right. Well, the, I know the last topic we wanted to come around to here was the whole idea of checklists and project management platforms and playbook software. And I, I'm sure you get this a lot in the consulting work. So like we should do a, a hypothetical, like what is the question you hear m- most often around this from a client or anything like that? Uh, simply put, how do we actually know whether or not they actually did it? Or how do we know that they actually followed our process? Um, and I think it's a good question. I think, well, we're not, we're going to help you to be able to document your processes. We're going to be able to help you create training that really captures the why. Um, we're not big brother. We're not going to actually be standing over each of your employees' shoulders to be able to actually confirm whether or not they actually followed your processes. Um, but 
I, I didn't want to make, Jeff, something to say, I didn't want to interrupt you there if you, but uh, uh, I was just going to say, so um, I guess our framework to be able to actually confirm whether or not employees are following these practices is really based off of really kind of a, a four-pronged approach. And we believe in documenting processes. We believe in standard creating standardized operating procedures and then creating training, which communicates the why behind everything that you do and why it's so important. It's kind of like the difference between when you're maybe a parent and saying, hey, uh, kind of son, I want, to, I want to make sure that you actually buckle up. And if you just tell them to buckle up, you might say, hey, why do I need to buckle up? It's not that important. But if you just tell them to buckle up, you probably won't do it. But if you communicate, well, where, I want you to buckle up because uh, I'm actually going to prevent you from getting injured if we ever happen to get into a car crash. And it's really for your own personal safety. He's under, able to understand the why. And the same thing is true with all of your processes. If you just dictate, say, do this, do this, do this, do this. Well, it seems kind of unnecessary. I don't need to do that. Um, I'd be a little bit quicker if I just didn't do one of those things. But if you can communicate the why behind everything that you do, um, it tend, all of that, those processes tend to resonate a little bit better and ensures that everyone's aligned. So we always ensure that we're documenting processes. We're then standardizing all of those operating uh, procedures, creating training that communicates the why, and then the overlay to actually confirm whether or not employees are following your practices is creating a system of checks and balances. And that can really come in the form of either paper checklists, maybe you have a project management software. And for those unfamiliar with project management softwares, there's kind of applications out there like Asana, there's Trello, there's Rike, uh, Basecamp, a ton of other, uh, Monday.com. Um, and you can also just kind of create, and that's where um, you can actually create digitized checklists and forms to actually create a little bit more accountability. Yeah, I think that's a great framework. I, I was laughing in the middle of your story because I'm thinking of my kids. I have a seven-year-old and a four-year-old now. And I, like this weekend, I'm like yelling in the backseat of like, why, why isn't your seatbelt on already? And, you know, it's like, and, and, and so going through the conversation of like, well, why do I need the seatbelt? You could fall out of the car. I don't know. You could open yeah. the door and fall out of the car. Like, how fast is it dangerous? And I don't know. <laughs> Like, do I have to wear it in the driveway? Do I have to wear it? So my seatbelt process would be very heavily documented for, for my kids. But uh, no, I, I think your framework spot on. So what I usually say around this is when people think of checklists or project management systems that you're checking a box to recognize the completion of a task, that is, it's a very different thing than when you're, when you're training someone how to do the task the first time. So a perfect story around this is in my video production company, my first business, when I was first getting into all this systemization kind of stuff, I read the checklist manifesto, which is an awesome book. And I let, I left that book thinking, okay, I need checklists for everything. And so I made checklists for every production process that we had, every pre-event planning process, staffing, uh, equipment preparation before we'd ship it out, uh, fulfillment, all, everything had, had a, a checkbox associated. And so for a standard event that we would film, we had something like 150 different steps from pre-production all the way through the, the production and post-production and, and closing the events out, accounting and all that. And so those 150 steps were assigned out 
to all the different members of the team that did those things. But as the business started to grow and we did not just, you know, like one event a week and we were doing three events and five events and 10 events a week, those people would get assigned the 150 tasks times the 10 events that week times the, you know, 50 events that month times the, you know, and, and our production cycle could be three months from planning an event to closing it out. So I had people that were sitting in their project management system on like three, 4,000 tasks. And it is just so unmanageable. So when we looked at that, they, they were telling me, you know, these tasks, these are things that like, I know how to do all these things. And I feel like you're just standing over my shoulder. Like you need to know the second that I complete every task. Are you even looking at the system that shows you that I completed it and I realized, no, I wasn't. What I was doing was just making sure that they were appropriately trained and then wanting to know as every event moved through the stages of pre-production, production, post-production, like where was the event at? I was more more interested in like capacity than I was in task management. And so it was a big lesson for me personally, but the what came out of that is that the doing is different from the learning to do. And that once someone knows how to do something, you don't need to look over their shoulder and track every micro step of that thing. And so I think people, you know, have great intentions when they get started with checklists, but you can definitely overdo it. Checklists are good for tasks. They're good if you've got like a temp labor force. They're good if, if you need to granularly watch over someone's shoulder. But if you find yourself micromanaging people that are just really great employees, you can kind of start to move away from the, the, the granular checklists and focus on just training and role development. And then the accountability piece that you're mentioning, that kind of just relates to, you know, KPIs and how someone's, how you're measuring someone in a business. You know, it's not all about task completion, but sometimes it's about the end result of what did the client rate the experience with you, you know, and, and you start to measure people based on, more the results than the the task. So I'm curious what you think about that. Yeah, I think you brought up a lot of really good points there. Uh, I completely agree. You definitely can uh, over-engineer um, kind of the level of detail uh, of checklists. And there's almost kind of two different kinds of checklists. There's kind of the learn and do type of checklist, which might be the really, really super heavy detail of read this step, and then I can do this exact same step. So I would almost think about this like, maybe a recipe to be able to kind of create, I don't know, beef Wellington or some type of like elaborate type of dish um, or a kind of a uh, do and confirm is more of kind of a simple kind of milestone based type checklist. And I think that the goal there is really just to kind of confirm that the major like milestones are completed. And so I think that there's sort of a time and a place and it'll sort of depend on uh, the workflow um, and really kind of the the process at hand, um, but it is it can become a little bit overwhelming. Um, so it's it's a uh, if you do put way way too many checklists in place, and there's always maybe the issue that hey we're just checking off these items um, whether or not they're even kind of confirmed. So it is better to actually our best practice is to keep it a little bit simpler, keep it kind of one page, and really making sure that you're trying to prevent mistakes from happening rather than just assuming that all of your employees are incapable of actually following your processes. Um, so I, I, I kind of try to use it more of a, um, 
I guess, more of kind of a bumpers on following your processes that as long as you kind of complete the high level uh, steps, we're going to be able to actually uh, attain the same exact result or outcome. Yeah, I like that. It's it's the so the like reference checklist is something just to make sure you don't miss anything. You know, it's um, it's it's I, I think the the pre flight checklists with airplanes are like that, right? It's, a, it's like a reference to make sure you didn't miss any of the steps. But it's not like you're you know logged into a project management system, clicking on all of those as you go. You know, whereas like a IKEA build is something that like you you need you you need to look at it and then do the thing and look at the next step and do the thing so so yeah checklists are a loaded topic that's all i'll say here because we we've been asked since training was was uh in its infancy if we when we might introduce some form of task management and uh my stance so far has been when you get into task management you get into due dates and assignment with tasks and recurring tasks and it really, that's like the task management, project management systems job. They're great at that. And so, you know, at some point in the future, do we introduce some capability around this on the reference side specifically? Maybe, uh, but we'll see. I have to follow along. <laughs> yeah. No, but I think um, I still think that they do serve a purpose. Um, I think it just needs to, it's sort of a case by case basis. And um, I think what you're really, again, the main thing is that you're trying to do is just eliminate mistakes and eliminate some of the guesswork and confirm that the bigger milestones um, are being completed. Um, so I think you, you kind of have to look at each of your processes and I think less is more, uh, more times than not. And so try not to kind of over-engineer it, uh, create overwhelming uh, to-do list items where you're actually creating, making your employees less productive because they now have to actually follow and actually confirm all of these items, make it more easy for them and just try to remove some of the guesswork and um, hopefully eliminate more mistakes. Well said. That's what it's all about. Eliminating mistakes. And that's why we document everything, right? So yeah. uh, I, this has been awesome. So is there anything you want to summarize, like one big lesson you want to leave people with or for them to take away from this? Uh, I would say that, yeah, my, I mean, it kind of goes back to our proven framework is that to be able to get all of your employees aligned, it all goes back to documenting processes. That's where we think that Trainual is an awesome application to be able to document your processes. Uh, you can create, then it goes to standardizing all of those operating procedures by creating standard operating procedures. Again, Trainual is an awesome place to be able to house all of those SOPs and then creating training to be able to communicate the why. Uh, Chris and I talked earlier in the episode about uh, the, uh, buckling your seatbelt and actually getting all of your employees to understand the reasoning uh, behind or the rationale behind all of your processes. And then using a case-by-case -case basis uh, to figure out where paper checklists or maybe a project management software might make sense so that all of your employees are completing those milestones. Amazing. Well, I always love catching up with you. I think this was so insightful. So hopefully everybody that's listening got a ton of value out of this and can look into the programs that we mentioned and uh, take some some nuggets away from this. Uh, Chris, where, where can people find you if they want to reach out to you? Yeah, of course. Uh, feel free to reach out to me. Uh, actually, at my cell phone, uh, 248-312-9211. You can reach out to us uh, on, our, on the web as well, greatlakesadvisory.com or uh, by email, uh, c.gwyn at greatlakesadvisory.com. 
Amazing. Most people give like a social handle or a website and you're like email, phone number, here like here's reach, my reach out to me. I mean, I think all the uh, yeah. all the socials on there, you can feel free to yeah. reach out to me by LinkedIn. I love uh, it. No, but I'm just going to even better. I'm, I'm going to cut out, out the middleman and you don't even have to go through that. Just reach out to me directly. So cool. Well, Chris, thank you for everything that you do uh, out there helping companies. And it was a pleasure chatting with you. Hang on here for one second until we uh, upload the recording. But for everyone else, thank you for listening. We'll see you next time on Organized Chaos. Thanks so much for having me, Chris. Hey, thanks for listening to Organized Chaos. If you like this episode, be sure to subscribe or leave a review and share it with anyone in your network that you think could use the information. If you're interested in joining the Process People community or becoming a trainual certified consultant, check out the link in the show notes for more information. You can connect with me on social media, any platform at Chris Ronzio. You can find trainual at trainual, just like a training manual. I'll see you next time.